Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, along with John Ramstead. And John, we have uh, two friends that I met at the ver- my very first Heaven in Business conference that I went to. I was sitting at the same table with them, coming out from a very dark season where my wife had just got out of the hospital. And so I went got away to Reading to uh, just kind of decompress and just get fed and at my table were Michael and Catherine Redman. And over these years, John, you and I have had a number of conversations with Michael. And so we just decided it was time to finally have them on Eternal Leadership. Yes, finally. And Michael and Catherine, welcome to the podcast. So great to have you here. Oh, thank you very much. It's so good to be here. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, and they've got the microphones there. And we do, and Johnson, Johnson in his backyard listening to squirrels. So he's got like the breeze and the view, and we've got a room with microphones. I don't know. I think yeah. he wins. Yeah, so you, well, you guys listening out there, right? I'm looking, We're on Zoom right now. So I'm looking at Michael and Catherine. You guys are like in this amazing office. It looks like it's the most productive place in the world with these professional boom mics and, <laughs> and, and, and like headsets. And I'm just hanging out in my backyard with a pair of Apple earbuds, which I don't normally do. But you know what? I was encouraged uh, mm-hmm. today to, you know, hang out outside and the squirrel and my dog are having a fight. So if you guys hear them in the background chattering and woofing at each other, that's what's going on. We're inspired by your view and your trampoline. Well, so. Your, so your view is the only window we have. At least Steve <laughs> has a window with some natural light coming through. We're in a box with no, no windows at all. But I'm, it's like it's almost the end of September and fall hasn't started in Colorado yet. It has not this year. No, that's it's gorgeous. Crazy. Look at that. Yeah, and it's just starting out here. Because I don't know if you know this, John, or not. We used to live in Colorado Springs. Our daughter was born there. That's right. I remember that. We miss the front range often. We do. Often. I miss the Garden of the Gods a lot. Well, I I can tell you right now, we'll talk afterwards. John and I have a plan (laughs) to get you out here. Oh, excellent. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like plans. Plans All right, so let's get back on topic. This this has been the story of our pre-recording where John John and Catherine chase squirrels and get us off topic. Absolutely. Michael and Catherine, you guys on on Wisconsin, go pack, go. (laughs) John, the lone Viking fan here on this call. (laughs) But Michael and Catherine, you guys have a marketing company in Chico, California, Northern California. And that's really kind of where I have gotten to know you guys is uh, through a number of conversations that I've had with you. You started a podcast called Habo Village, which is short for the name of your company, Half a Bubble Out. Half a Bubble Out. Yeah, that's right. right. Most nobody, wants, nobody wants to say that all the time. Everybody says, huh? What did you say? <laughs> so, Michael, talk a little bit about how uh, you guys came up with that name for your company and really also how you even got into marketing from Colorado Springs. How about oh. if I tell the story about the name and then he tells the story about the marketing? Go for it. You know, it really, it really is partly my conversation. So, back when we were in Colorado Springs, Michael and I were in, <laughs> we were in full-time ministry together. So we served in a church on the front range and uh, Michael was the youth pastor and I did kids in college. So between us, we had zero through, you know, 21 or whatever in this small church on, in Colorado Springs. And we went through some challenging times that, you know, perhaps worth unpacking in another conversation. But um, ultimately we were in a position where we needed to not be at that church anymore. And I called a mentor of ours back here in Chico. He was, our, he was both Michael and I's college pastor when we lived in Chico um, 
going through school. And I called Bob and said, Bob, here's our situation. We have this new pastor. We just had an old pastor who imploded. Um, blah, 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 blah. Lots of really nasty things happening. Um, we're thinking that we might just put Michael back in school because Michael had not finished his undergrad. I had a master's in theology and it was just one of those things that he was getting hammered about. Um, so what do you think about putting Michael back in school? And Bob's response to me was, well, Catherine, your husband is a half a bubble out. So if you want him to have the respect I think he deserves because he's a super smart guy, you should probably just get the degree out of the way. And the half a bubble out <laughs> comes from the carpenter's level for anybody out there who's not like, like what does I that still mean? don't get it. In a carpenter's level, for those of you who don't know, there's this little bubble and it's got two little lines. And when the bubble's right in the middle, it's perfectly level. And if the bubble's half out, it's a little off. It's close, <laughs> but it's not quite level. So that was Bob's very kind way of saying Michael doesn't look at the world the same way as everybody else. So let's at least get him some of those normal credentials so that he has the right and a platform to speak from. So well, <laughs> we put him back too, in school. We're also in our, in our late 20s. At and that point. We're in our late 20s. We have a newborn who, I am, Jenna's less than a year old or something like that. So we're these new parents. We are living in our first house ever that I tore apart and had totally done everything you shouldn't do as a new father and everything. That's all necessary. And Wait, you be, did you rebuild the house with a level that works? That's my question. Yeah, but let's just say, <laughs> let's just say when I was eight months pregnant, I moved out because my kitchen was in my living room and I was doing dishes in the bathtub. So just know that if, if you're out there and you're a brand new, like you're about to be a parent, remodeling the house, like right around the time your wife is going to a baby shower for herself is not a good plan. I tell it's every not. young man whose wife is pregnant for the first time, don't do this. And most of them have listened to me. That's but like the digress. male version of nesting, Michael. You, you, you just got to say no. Right? right? But yeah. I was 27. I didn't know the difference. <laughs> I had no clue. So anyway, so uh, yes, so we had, we'd gone through all this and that was just kind of the way it worked out. And yeah, so we put Michael back in school. We knew ultimately that when he, and I went to work for a software company because you just got to make money and survive. And so we, we did that. I worked, he went to school. And then um, ultimately when he graduated, it was okay. I don't think you're going to be able to work for anyone else. <laughs> what is it we were going to do? And so well, we really, we'll talk about I mean, that. we spent some time really listening to the Lord and going, okay, Father, what do you want us to do? So in school, I actually, we left the ministry, vocational ministry, and I went back to school and studied a communications degree, this unique degree um, at the university we have in our hometown that was called instructional design. And what it turned out to be was this phenomenal degree that combined um, technology and educational theory and adult training in businesses. So really it was this, this thing that I didn't even realize I was going to do that allowed you to understand how do you help adults learn and grow and perform better in companies. So you have to do everything from understanding assessments of business and ROIs to how do you build training and education for performance improvement for people in companies and large companies is really where a lot of this happens. And we started realizing I had sales experience, I had marketing experience, we had leadership experience, and we cared about what people were doing. So we, we ended up finally listening, and the Lord said, I want you to start a business. 
And we thought we were going to go back into nonprofit work. And we, I remember the day the Lord said, I want you to do that. And I thought, you're crazy. I, I literally didn't think I had anything to offer anybody or I could charge anybody for. I didn't think there was any. And then I realized I'd grown up with sales and marketing when my father was a small business owner and, and I had all this experience. And then I had this degree. So we, we started a marketing and sales company in 2002. And that was over 16 years ago. And so, Michael, question for you. I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, okay, you heard, I mean, you're uh, new parents, you're in this transition, you've been in, you know, uh, vocational ministry, and you hear from God, hey, I want you to actually step out and build a regular company. Right. Um, I'd love for you guys to share about how you got into that place where you really were able to hear, I think, and discern what God was sowing into your life in that point. Uh, because clearly it was, it landed in a way where you just took, just stepped out on faith. And I think, you know, there, there's a lot of people that are really looking for, you know, what that looks like in their life. Okay. I, that's great. So the first thing that comes to mind is probably the angle I, I want to talk about it. Um, Catherine was alluding to, uh, we needed to leave full-time ministry. The short, a little bit more of that was our senior pastor, was removed because of improprieties. Lots of them. yes, I remember that. That was a that was that was a tough time for that whole church community. Incredibly difficult, incredibly painful. Um, he ended up losing his marriage, his relationship with his four kids, um, and and it was one of those things that you go, I can't believe this is happening to us. This is only something you read about in a book. And then we hired another pastor at that church who, within two years, had lost his license. Also. It was just a massively painful moment on top of another painful moment, which caused a lot of deep hurt and deep pain and wounding. Um, when you move into a place where you really want to hear from God and you want to set that up, one of the things that we have learned that is key is learning to deal with the pain and the wounds in your life and walk into a place of healing and forgiveness. Mm. That has been a critical theme for both Catherine and I for our, our entire lives. Yeah, we talked about like when we came back here, because uh, we moved back to Chico to put him back in school because we needed to be around family. We had a, you know, at that point, 18-month-old, and um, our lives had just been pretty much ripped out from under us. So we came home, and um, I remember walking into a counselor's office and saying, okay, here's the deal. I have brought some baggage with me from Colorado and it is nasty and I would really like to unpack it so that I don't take it forward with me into whatever else is coming in the future. So there was a very, um, and Michael had also gone to counseling and I mean, we, there was a very intentional, we have to heal to be able to move forward. I think without going into a lot of details, it's helpful to say the first pastor that imploded. We were at a church in California together. He married Catherine and I and did our premarital counseling. He was an incredibly impactful mentor of mine. And then there was a deep betrayal. Mm -hmm. Now that happened to us in ministry, but I think there's probably a lot of people listening right now that can relate to that because that just happens in life. And for us, it took three years of intentional work to get to a place that we, that we really believed we were kind of, we'd really worked through a lot of the healing. 
And it was right around that period of time that we heard the Lord starting to speak to us about what was next. We, I was going to school, we were doing work and doing stuff, but I think it was real close to that three-year mark when we heard the Lord say, I want you to take this next step of faith and not go back to what you think you're doing, but what actually I prepared you for for the next season. And we call it shower peace. And um, it's that moment, John, when you're, you're, you get up, you take a shower, and you're all alone, and you, you, it's a great place to think. It's a great place to have ideas and stuff like that. But when, you're, when you have wounding and pain and, you're, and, and you have broken relationships, you start to rehearse conversations in your head uh, when you're alone like that. And you start to think about what would I say if, and you start to rehash old conversations and, and even more unhealthy, you create new conversations that never happen just so you have an opportunity to say what you think you would say. Yes. And when that stops happening in the shower and you're actually thinking productively, that's called shower peace. And that was three years into it. <laughs> like, Hey, I'm alone in the shower. It's just me and Jesus again. That is such good news. Uh, you know, I like that. I call it delayed intelligence. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting there in my bed going, you know, I should have said this. This would have been yeah. awesome. Or why didn't I, you know. Uh, yeah, my better self would have stood up to that. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you're right. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I was, uh, you might be familiar with Lance Wall now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was years ago as I was, uh, we had just met him when we started our podcast. And he had me do an exercise that was really powerful. And he had me take a big piece of paper. It was like two or two feet by three feet. Mm. And draw a line through the long ways. And he goes, I want you to m- graph everything as far back as you can remember uh, from a spiritual perspective, your highs and your lows. Mm. Yes. And we're going to start kind of looking at what, what, what was transitioning between the valley and the peak? What was going on during all these different periods? But then he asked me a really important question. He said, John, is there anything in any of these lows or even some of these highs, uh, depending on how you got there, where you're looking at it from this emotional perspective? Or do you look at it from a place of learning and equipping, you know, trusting that God is, has used that for something, even if you might not understand it? And there was a couple points in there, actually, I thought I was actually in a really good place. But as I looked at that, I'm like, well, you know what? There are some places in here I really need to address. And, you know, that's where, you know, sharing some of that with my wife, talking to my mentor, talking to people that were, you know, in my life was really powerful but i think sometimes just taking that time to you know because from the outside a lot of us look so squared away right yeah, uh, yeah it's true but you know because we have this mask I, I i'll guarantee i put one on still i try not to now but uh it, it is something that's really important and i think what you're talking about is when you really lay that groundwork of some of this healing and reconciliation and redemption as you do that, you're moving closer in that relationship to the Lord because it's in moving closer to him that his voice gets louder. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, oh, absolutely. Well, and I, I agree. And I would, I would say too, you know, for Michael, it was real clear for him that he, that we were supposed to go into business. And I will be honest that I knew it was the right thing to do. And I still wrestled for about three and a half years um, I wrestled moving forward. I wrestled while we were in it. Um, but I probably, it probably took me about three and a half years. And I remember finally being in Estes Park, actually, and um, being with some friends up there and taking a long walk and being like, Lord, I, I have got to settle. I have got to stop looking back. 
and need to be able to just press in and move forward because I wanted to be in ministry. I had my, you know, master's degree in New Testament theology, and that's what I thought I was good at. Um, and I, so the idea that we weren't going to be doing that, and I didn't quite know my role and my place was, was rough, but Michael and I both believed that we were supposed to work together because yeah. that was one of the other pieces of it that was really odd for us that makes us a little even more half a bubble out is that um, we had worked together in full-time ministry and we loved that situation. And um, we really wanted to get back to working together because there's that sense in which we love um, kind of the, the different gift mixes that he and I have that work together really well. And we've discovered that really when we're working with clients, even some of the best work that we do, we do together. So he had a really strong um, commitment and vision to us working together again. Yeah. And I drug, I mean, I, I, I would say I moved forward, but there was a little bit of kicking and screaming and, um, and I wrestled through that. And so even just, even, I, I guess I, I say that to say, even the honest place of saying, once you've said yes, doesn't mean that you're not still going to wrestle. Mm. So I said yes, and I obeyed and stepped into it. Um, but it took me, it took me some time to settle in and believe that, that this wasn't just me following Michael's dream, but that there was a place for this. And this was actually the dream that God had for both of us. So that's just in all honesty, it took a while for me. It took about four years into the business for, I, for me to just kind of settle in and stop wishing we were doing something else. <laughs> now, now, Michael, I'm sure uh, you could sense this. A lot of us, either in our marriage, I think with business partners, even sometimes, right? You're all in, you're committed, you're going forward. You're like, you know, Catherine, you know, you're, you need to be part of this, but <laughs> right. Right. Um, what, what worked or didn't work is you guys both showed up that allowed you guys to actually stay working together and clearly it's, it's, it's succeeded. Um, cause I'm thinking, I'm just thinking back. The reason I ask, uh, cause I grew up, we talked about before we started, I grew up Methodist in a Methodist church, right? Uh, right. but I never had heard what I would call the gospel message about a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't remember it anyway. Yeah. Um, so when I was 27 years old, I accepted the Lord at a church service we got invited to and my wife did not. Oh, and at all. As a matter of fact, she was mortified when I got to, st when I went to stand up, she grabbed my arm and pulled me back down in the seat in the church and said, don't you embarrass me. <laughs> so guess what wow. I did? I'm like, I'm like yes, ma'am. And I sat there on my butt until, but the pastor said, Hey, there's one more person. I'm like, Oh, come on. Somebody else, please go up. Anyway, I finally go forward. But for that year, actually it was a year later. She actually went forward, but uh, we had just got out of the Navy. We were, you know, just all the stuff we used to do, she was totally into, and I had no desire anymore. Right. And I got to tell you, that was a hard transition, but I got some amazing mentorship from a great friend. He said, hey, John, John, God has loved you unconditionally and waited for you for 27 years. Don't you think you owe the same thing to your wife? Mm, mm -hmm. That's a good word. I was like, dude. Okay, fine. Right, right. <laughs> well, well, talk, about, talk about calling you to the next level of leadership, right? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Well, so I, anyway. And Michael got a similar, I mean, you, you got some similar advice. Well, I was, uh, yeah. The, <laughs> so this is good for, this was good for marriage. This is also good for leaders in, in any organization. Um, I'm a visionary. I, 
I was born with a telescope, a proverbial telescope on my eyes, both of them. And um, for a number of years, I didn't know that there was anything closer to me. So I would trip over everything in executing uh, because I lived in the future. And um, he would see what could be. And I'd go, uh, maybe there's this thing in front of you that like, that's kind of an obstacle to what you think we're going to do next week. So can we talk about that one little obstacle right there? Cause there a, that's there a, serious. There's a tension that happens <laughs> in that and that, and you have to learn the gifting because what's normal to you, I mean, what you're gifting and what you've grown up with or whatever, that's just like, well, isn't everybody like that? Cause you don't understand, especially when you're younger. Here's the advice I got from, God uses such amazing, interesting places because, as I said earlier, one of my big mentors kind of totally impact imploded. This was another um, a mentor that imploded. But he said to me one day, and I probably out of his own experience, he said, Michael, you, you, see, you see what can be and you have a great amount of excitement. But if you run full force towards that, you will lose your wife. In other words, the metaphor was you'll get so far ahead of her that she can't see you anymore. And I, I still remember to this day where we were standing and, and uh, it was a winter day with the clouds and we were outside and it was fall and it was, probably wasn't winter, it was fall and there were still leaves in the trees. And, and I remember going, okay, that's probably important because I can be so enthusiastic, especially when I was younger and so visionary and I just wanted I didn't want to wait. I wanted to go as fast as I could possibly run. And if I tripped, I'd get up again and, and bleed on the way going farther like a little boy does. And I remembered that the Lord kind of spoke into my soul at that moment and said, there is something you've got to pay attention to here because you don't want to lose your wife. You don't want to leave her behind. And so I made a commitment at that point that I was going to trust God and just continue to work that theme out. And I still to this, I'm, I'm 50. I was 30 at the time. So that was 20 years ago when I heard that. And I still continue to want to pay attention to it and make sure it stays in the forefront because as leaders, we can, we can get frustrated with people who aren't following us at the speed we want to run. And I, I don't believe that people are holding us back most of the time, especially with Catherine she wasn't holding me back. It was actually a process where I needed to love her and be patient, but still call her to listen to Jesus mm -hmm. and still encourage her to move forward. But her speed and her, the, the, the giftings and everything that, that helped make me more successful actually saved me from running too fast and, and causing problems that so often visionary leaders do. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense because, uh, you know, people that are more visionary and strategic, when, you, when you're expecting somebody to kind of, you know, you're, I'm kind of the, the guy that makes a mess and then expect other people to clean it up, right, and yeah, turn it yeah. into a process and make it work. Um, I'm those two skills, though. Yeah, so if there's, but if you don't have really good relationships, communication, and trust, I can see some of these people, because I'm making a mess, right? I'm making more work for them. Yeah. I, and I see the vision for the company. And if we do this, this, and this, it's going to, you know, you know, uh, this is going to have this result. Uh, I see, uh, you know, in the past, I would tend to see them as people that were, uh, they're, 
they're kind of stuck. They're the, they're, they're holding us. They're holding the organization back, but you know what? It's I wasn't honoring who they were, their gifts and their talents. So you know what? Come on. They saw me as somebody that didn't care yeah. about them, their needs, their situations, the demands that are being placed on them. And I got to tell you that, and I, I think that's very typical in an organization because you have, because there's not a right or a wrong, how you're wired, how Catherine's wired, how I'm right. wired, how Steve's wired, but there, it's difference. And I think really and when it gets back to is really understanding and taking a sincere interest in everybody around us and serving them and helping them succeed in whatever, you know, the best role that's suited for them and, and then talk about it. And the other thing is, uh, because we're humans, right? Conflict is absolutely, it's, it's guaranteed to come up yep. and we, and we need to understand how to have some of those conversations and I think a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, are afraid to have those yeah. because of consequences, you know, a lot of different factors. But like what you're talking about is as you really build kind of the, the vulnerability, the trust, um, and also just teach people, and, and, and Jesus modeled it so well, how do you have that heart to approach somebody in humility, in love, and that you actually care about them? I'm not... I'm not yeah. I'm not coming you to judge you or say, you know, you're actually wired wrong. You're doing things wrong. You might not be doing things uh, the best way for our organization. That's a different conversation. Right. Um, right. So it's an affirming way. Uh, but when people can start to have those kind of conversations, my what, you know, Donna joined me recently with what we're doing. Mm. Uh, and I got to tell you, so we did a right path assessment. We hired a coach to look at both of our assessments and, kind of figure out, you know, where are some of the maybe blind spots that we have. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And you know what? I think that's just as important for business partners to do. If you, don't, if you don't know the person that you're sitting across from in their history, and guess what? Every one of us has stuff in our past which, which, yep. which informs how we react in a situation, in the moment, uh, our emotions, our attitudes toward things. Uh, that might make no logical sense to me, yeah. uh, right, as I'm observing it. Mm-hmm. But guess what? There's something about that person that I'm not aware of, and I need to really seek to understand that before, before anything else. Oh, we so agree. So agree. Uh, the Partnership Charter is a great book that we have on our shelf that we use on a regular basis. But it's, it, and it, it's a guided deep dive in for people who are thinking about going into partnerships. So that you're having a lot of those conversations. It actually is a great template. It's not perfect, but it's phenomenal. It's one of the few resources we've seen for, for folks. So in our consulting What's it called? Firm, the Partnership Guidebook? Charter. The, the Partnership Charter. Charter. Okay. Yeah. And it's, um, it was started by a guy who believed that his wife was in a company that uh, imploded with their partnership because they hadn't talked about a lot. And he was, instead of saying partnerships are bad, he realized that that all great companies have partnerships. The, the most amazing, successful companies out there have been some form of partnership, even though there might have been somebody who, who looked like they were the star and were alone. They weren't alone. From Apple to Microsoft and go on down the line. And he, so he brought together the idea of, of business consultants, counselors, lawyers, and and walking around the psychological aspect and the business conversations and all this to say, is this a good fit? Are we having a complete conversation? Are we talking about what it looks like? Because we will have conflict. So how are we going to 
manage that and walk through those times. And you don't know what they're, I mean, you and I, we've all been in business long enough. You don't anticipate all the conflict that's coming down your way. You just can't. So how are you going to handle it? And are you going to have people who are in the, the joy of Catherine and I's marriage is we were both into dealing with the conflict. We were, we voted into the marriage and we said, we will deal with this. Mm. We were committed to the process and through the process, we made it through the rough times uh, or we make it through the rough times, <laughs> which we really honestly, and we, we, we don't, don't have very many rough times. When it gets really rough, he just sends me away to journal for a while. Go talk to Jesus and come back when you two have it out. I trust well, Jesus. I trust, I trust Jesus a lot to manage the process, and I trust my wife and business partner an immense amount to listen to Jesus. And I have never been disappointed with that process. It's been hard sometimes to go through because it requires patience, mm. but I've never been disappointed with it ever. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, just the other aspect of it too is as we talk about what does it look like to have a passion and provision company. Um, yeah. those kinds of things that we talk about that you're, we're talking about just on the partnership level, yeah. Yeah. we are talking about that with our staff. So we're looking at who are you, how are you put together? You know, we use Myers-Briggs as one of our main sort of mm -hmm. test pieces. How do we make sure we hire people that, um, that fit our company culture, right? So, um, we have made the mistake of, um, you know, we, we know we need people who are methodical and who can get things done, for sure. But we don't need extreme methodicals because we drive them crazy. Because Michael is a... They don't want change. He's an intuitive thinker. He likes to change. He likes to start one thing, and if it doesn't work, chuck it. And all you have to do is get a methodical person on a project, get them down the pike, and then tell them, you know what, we're not going to do that anymore. And you have destroyed <laughs> that person because they just invested all of this time and energy in trying to make this thing work. And you just pulled the plug because you're like, well, it isn't the best. It's not about you. It just isn't the best. So we're going to do something different. And we have messed a couple of employees up doing that. <laughs> so, you know, learning who are, who are we best suited even to lead, right? So that we're hiring the right kinds of folks and we're thinking about where do they best fit and how do we best nurture them and their skills and talents um, and also own the fact that, you know, we need people different, but we have to be at least aware that if you hire someone who's way outside or way extreme, we might not be able to manage them. I'm not explaining that very well, but you can. No, maybe. no, I, I, <laughs> let me get, let's see if I, right. There's uh, we're talking about just diff different personalities, right? People that are very relational, maybe strategic people that yes. are, transactional that doesn't mean you have the people persons and the and the and the workers right the but we just have kind of different you know priorities but also it's interesting when i do leadership training i actually start out uh with something i call the change game and what happens is i i, I just have people stand up and i say just you got to make sure you're across from somebody you're comfortable observing and then turn back to back and i want you to change five things about yourself and i do that three different times. So like after the first time and I have people turn back around and start, you know, you know, what, what was changed immediately about a third of the room starts putting everything back exactly the way it was because they are <laughs> so uncomfortable. Just the fact that their earring is off or their watch is unbuckled or, or whatever. Um, by the third time we're doing this, you have half the room that's having a blast or no, I wouldn't say half, maybe 20, 30% of the room that's having a blast. They're laughing. 
Yeah. Other 20 or 30% of the room was like, who invited me to this training? I want to kill somebody. <laughs> the point is, and we bring out a lot of points here though, is I got to tell you, because people are wired so differently. Once again, it's not a right or wrong thing. People are right. very different levels um, on how they actually cope with change. And as a leader, it's really, really important for us to understand that. If I have somebody that, let's say, does not like if you change a process uh, for, let's say, a project, a client engagement that you guys are working on midstream, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a way to actually help them, equip them, give them some tools to adapt that? I believe that there are, personally. Uh, but you have to also realize that, that you're, you're probably always going to get resistance from that person, and it's not personal. Yep. But it's, it's just, you know, their characteristics. And then, it's a, then it's a decision, is it a good fit for the team? But that shouldn't become a wedge in our relationship just because one person, I, I brought somebody into a role that actually is probably not the best fit for them. I have accountability in that also. Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. We do a lot of talking about that as we're just processing how do you work with the team that you have and how do you build a culture that um, allows them to be living into what they're doing, which gives them the meaning and purpose that leads to passion. And then what is it, you know, what, it, what is it that allows them to, to just know that they matter in the process yeah, and that absolutely. they, they, they're understanding, um, you know, your vision, your dream, what is it that you're trying to move the company towards and what's their role in it? Um, that helps too. Yeah. So, so I want to set up a question for you guys. So, but first I want to ask you, tell us, everybody listening, what you, I mean, you guys said, okay, we're going to start a business. You've started a business. It's doing great. Half a bubble out. What does half a bubble out do and in, in what does it look like today? So half a bubble out is a marketing, advertising, and consulting firm. Uh, we are based in Chico, California, Northern California. We work with clients. Um, probably right now, uh, over half of our clients are in Northern California, but over the years, over 16 years, they've been across the country, coast to coast. We have a couple of clients in, uh, one in Manhattan, one in New Hampshire. We've had clients in London. And we work with folks, usually small to medium-sized businesses. And we started out doing just marketing uh, consulting and then doing work for them services. And then we became a holistic company that really said, okay, we were looking, we found clients that said, I don't want to have a lot of vendors, but I need help with the entire marketing and, and sales and advertising process. And we grew the company on that foundation. And then over years, what we ended up doing is realizing that we were doing a lot more consulting and strategy at a larger level and a lot more leadership development with leaders. Mm -hmm. But what they were doing is they were coming through the door for marketing and what they found is somebody they could actually trust and talk to that understood a holistic perspective of business and who understood being human. And then from there, what we do now is we work with folks at that level of starting with strategy and implementing a lot of marketing and our team at our office, we have a team of about eight they do a lot of work on building services, a lot of internet marketing. We do a little bit of traditional advertising now, radio and TV, but not nearly as much as we used to. And we do a lot of online stuff to help companies grow their bottom line, grow their top line sales. And then from there, we get to work with culture. We get to work with leadership development and have a lot of fun. So what we're, we've been doing is that. And then we realized that there were a lot of folks who needed that holistic training, but weren't ready to hire 
a consulting firm. They needed more holistic areas, um, big picture. I was amazed, John, and you're probably, this is probably something you've seen, but I can remember in the early days when I'd walk into a company that had hired us that was very successful, had a couple hundred employees, had quite a sizable balance sheet, and there were huge gaps in the leadership. I mean, like, we'd sit down and go, they'd hire us and we'd do this assessment and we'd find all these holes. And I couldn't, it was my naiveness in the beginning, but I couldn't figure out how can you be so successful and how these holes, how does this work? How do you make money and do this? And I realized that there was, it was more sophisticated and complicated than I realized when I was younger. And now we get to work with, okay, what does that look like? So we started developing this holistic approach to training and, and business education that hopefully is going to be combined with more coaching as we move forward. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we know, and it, it wasn't, you know, different for, especially for me is there's a lot of people who start companies who they don't, they don't have a business degree. They don't have their MBA. They don't, they don't have formal training. And so they start a business because they think they can do something really well or better than their boss. So they branch off. Why am I, why am I working for someone else? I can do this just as well as that person can. And so they start their own business and they launch into it, but they have no training on some of the, just the key areas of business. Like, I don't know, finance, cash flow and balance sheets and fun things like that. They don't know about marketing. They don't understand, you know, just how to build culture, how to um, interact with people. So there's this whole, there's this whole how sort of- How to hire people well. How to hire people yeah. well, right? They don't, you know, how to identify what they're hiring for. And I mean, there's just this whole sort of holistic thing. So what, what we've realized, and you know, Michael is an avid reader, but if you got to hire a consultant, they're going to be a consultant on a specific area. They're typically, most of the time, most yeah. of the time they're yeah. leadership training or they're, they're about finance or they're about management and operations or they're about marketing, right? They're very sort of siloed. Um, and we started thinking probably six, seven years ago, what would it look like to actually put together a core training course that covers kind of all the parts of business that you have to have to be successful. So to be to run a successful passion and provision company, you need to understand these six areas of business is kind of what we've narrowed it down to. So that's, that's kind of what we're moving into is what is, is putting that training out there and, and making it available for folks so that they can have a more holistic picture of what a successful business looks like. Well, the bottom line for us is really purpose-driven. How do you help leaders who, who had a dream, who started a company, live into, it's like what you were saying earlier, live into their fullest potential. We mm -hmm. call it passion and provision with more profit and joy. But when you, when you do that to get to that place, you also have to create a company that embodies that. So how do you think about the fundamentals of business with that kind of a, a compass heading in your life? And how do you bring them together? And so for us, that's really where Half a Bubble Out has, is going now and we're starting our, for our brand new membership site in this whole stuff in three weeks. So, and we're super excited about it and we're absolutely terrified about it. <laughs> well, All at the you, same guys, time. you guys are going to do awesome. And I really, how do people find out more? First of all, what's the way for them to plug in? If they go to habovillage.com, H-A-B-O, 
yep. habovillage.com. That is this whole new venture for us. They can find a place where they can sign up for a free workshop that's going to launch in three weeks. And um, so they can get a taste of kind of who we are, what we do, and, and what the topic is without stepping in. We're not asking anybody to pull out their wallet yet. Warning, we will ask you to pull out your wallet <laughs> because we're good capitalists at the same time. Because uh, we care about passion and provision. We care about provision. <laughs> um, but this is, you know, I want, I want to say this because I, I I, every time I get a chance to say this, I want to take an opportunity. For those leaders who have been isolated and don't have other leader friends, um, like we have experienced and have been blessed with, the conversation, the relationship we have with you and Steve, um, we can share and talk about vulnerabilities. And we all know that just because I say I'm scared doesn't mean I'm not confident and I don't have what it takes. But there's a lot of leaders who think that, that you're, not, you're supposed to keep that cover on and face to the world and not let anybody know that, that those things go together. It's okay to be terrified, but courage comes in the place of that. And if you're walking in a place that's been well thought out or in a calling, um, those are good things to be. So I say that to the listeners. If, there, if there's anybody out there going, I'm afraid to tell anybody that I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> well, you know, actually, you know, uh, I love the definition that courage is taking action in the presence of fear. Yeah, Absolutely. Not the it, is, it, it is not the absence of fear, right? And uh, we actually just did a series at our church on being fearless. Oh, and nice. how to, it, it was awesome, but, you know, uh, it was real because, you know, what? there's times when we actually are afraid, but we have to make a choice in that moment. We're afraid it could be, you know, your spouse has cancer. It could be a, you know, a business yeah. partnership. It could be lots of things. Yep. Uh, but it's also making a choice to kind of like you're doing trust. Um, but, and the reason I asked you about the business, because there's something I think really important. I'd love to get both of your thoughts on is this concept of convergence. And this is bringing your, your, what you are passionate about. Mm. The things that God has put on your hearts, really from a kingdom perspective. How you, you know, want to be known and show up in the world. And you've brought that together with what you are doing in business. That your marketing company, Half a Bubble Out, has now become the vehicle through which you do ministry. Yes. Right. Versus uh, something we do so that that we can do ministry. Does that make sense? And I'd love Absolutely. you to talk about how you guys brought those together, because I know we have a lot of people listening. They're business owners, they're entrepreneurs, they're running huge companies or they're sitting at home thinking maybe I should start something. Right. And 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 they but they're trying to figure out how to just bring all this together into, you know, something that just looks beautiful. We're singing our song, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a five, we actually had the opportunity to preach a five-week series at our church last spring, so 20, about 18 months yeah, ago. Yeah, about 18 months ago on um, vocation and on just the concept that um, when, you, when you are in business, when you are following your vocation, that is your ministry, um, that God didn't design some people for ministry and some people for not ministry that actually were a kingdom of priests and we are all doing that. So we, um, again, you know, I shared what I shared earlier. There was definitely a process for me, especially because I wanted to be in vocational ministry. That was ministry as I knew it. And it took several years for me to come to the place of 
personally believing and recognizing that my opportunity, my calling to minister was in business. It was in the workplace. And that the opportunities that I have to minister to clients, to my staff, to vendors, um, that it's just, it's powerful. And these are folks that may or may not ever walk through the doors of a church. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's one of the things. I mean, one of the, one of the images that is really helpful for me is there's a, I think it's in, it's in Corinthians, I think, one of the two Corinthians. I'm not going to nail the passage, but there's this place that talks about the fact that we are ministers of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this concept that my business is my embassy. And, and when people step into my business, they step into this place of kingdom presence because we carry the peace of God into this place. So we've had these really cool um, experiences where clients will come in who don't know the Lord and they'll say things like, I just really like being here. Yeah. Like, I just, I feel like, like there's a peace and there's a, just a sense of, it's just good here. And, and yesterday a client on the way out said, every time I come here, I come here feeling like I just want to throw in the towel and you guys fill my cup. Mm. She's not a believer. How awesome is that? Fill my yeah, cup. And really it was like, cool. yes, because at some point there will be an opportunity to say from whence flows your joy. You know, <laughs> well, let me tell you, thanks for asking. Um, so, so it is really and if fun. a client uses the word whence, it, you, you know got, what? You if, gotta get it on video. I'm well, if, if that, that happens, happens. <laughs> I, I will, because you know. Excuse me. Let me get my phone. Could you say that again? <laughs> From whence? Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's. I mean, it's a process, but there is such a there's such a joy in the recognition that this thing that we're doing every day is the the ministry and the calling that God has placed on our lives, and it is kingdom, and it is powerful. So my turn. Yeah, your turn. Cause you wanted to hear from both of us. So did, just huh? took my turn first. Cause that's, no, that's sometimes good. what that's I do. A, that's a lot of good stuff. <laughs> you just said. Um, I, I love the fact that you use the word convergence. Mm. Um, I, I think a life worth living is worth living the way you were created and designed. for, And it's, and it involves, family and it involves marriage and it involves parenting and it involves friendship and it, and it involves work. And, um, I think convergence especially when it comes from a company, I talked about earlier, the, the right compass heading for me, that's a, just having the right perspective or context. And it starts in Genesis chapter one because God created, God demonstrated that there was work before there was sin. And he created in chapter one, and then before the fall, he created man, them, man and woman, to work in the garden. And to take dominion. That's a dominion dominion. mandate. Absolutely. And so what you what what we talk about is we talk about if it all if it's that whole synergy, that whole convergence has to start with that perspective of believing, which I didn't always believe that there's two kinds of work. There's work that's labor and there's work that's toil. And labor is that thing that is hard work, as we call it, but it bears good fruit. A woman giving labor is 
and giving birth is a perfect example of something that is incredibly hard and painful and difficult, and yet it is worth it because of the fruit that's born. It's hard work to bear something good, and that's okay. That's a good thing. That, that stirs our soul, and I don't think there's anybody who hasn't had a good day's work where they're exhausted, pooped, sweaty, or their brain hurts, or whatever type of work they've done, but they're, they sit there at the end of the day and they go, Wow, that was, I feel good about that. That was a good I'm day. Ex- yeah, that was good a good day. day. Wow, we, had, we, we, we slayed a couple of dragons. We, we got that done. That thing that's been on my list forever, I got it done. And somebody said, you fill my cup because every time I want to throw the talon, that's a good day. And when I know that there's a difference between labor and toil and I know that God created work and he created me to work, then I go, okay, what well, kind of, where's my place? First Corinthians 12, where's my place in the body? What's my giftings, callings, skills? What are the skills that I've learned in my life and the talents? You talked about that timeline earlier that Lance mm-hmm. walked you through. We do something similar because there's giftings that we have that come straight from God and those natural talents that we have. But then there's those things because of life, we learn skills that weren't our normal thing, but we learned them. And then if we were willing to be diligent and sharpen them, now we're, we have this life full of, Here's these natural talents, these learned skills, these things we're good at. And then what's that calling for us so that we can start to form and look towards what's our contribution? I think when we start to look at work from that perspective, we start to ask very different questions. If we're in a place where we're choosing, somebody's thinking about choosing a company to start, I, I urge them to think about putting that company together with that thought in mind. Are you smack dab in the middle as best as you, as you know, as best mm-hmm. as you can in your gifts, talents, and skills, and in that calling towards a contribution that God brought you towards? If you have a company already that you've already created, the first thing to do is to take an assessment. Where, where are, is your giftings, talents, and skills? Where's that sweet spot of yours? Where's that, that place of strength? And then where is the company right now with your staff, with your job, the customers you have, what have you created around you? And if you can, you need to start to go, okay, now how do I bring myself closer to the center of of those giftings, talents, skills, and calling? And how do I bring my company culture and everything else? How do I assess that and continue a plan to move it closer so that it works ideally within that environment? thinking about that with other people too, thinking, okay, my employees also need to be in that sweet spot. So when I hire, I'm looking for somebody who has the, the skill set, the competency. I'm looking for somebody who has the character. I'm looking for somebody who has the calling and their gift mix. And I'm looking for somebody who fits the culture. And, and so we talk to folks like that because I think that's where convergence starts to happen because then you're not chasing your passion. Passion is that energy that comes out of it. And there's the passion of the Christ. For a long time, I said, no, that's not the type of passion we're talking about. But I, I was wrong, I think, because the passion was a great suffering that Christ went through. But it was for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I believe that's good labor that bears fruit, as opposed to toil that bears nothing. Mm. And then, I, and then I, I think that convergence has a third place for leaders. The first place is, are you going to choose a company and how are you going to build it? And are you willing to build it in that place where convergence can happen? 
The second is the leader who maybe has a company, but they're not living in that convergence. And the first thing is to assess from that compass heading, what did God call them to do? What's the giftings, talents, and skills, and personality that he gave them? The third may be the hardest one of all. Is it possible that I'm in a place and have a company that it can't be moved from where I am to convergence and I need to put an end to this season and move into a next one? And when you talk about convergence, I think about those three levels with that compass heading and thinking if that's the compass heading I have, no matter what I have to deal with in front of me, I won't be disappointed because it will bear good fruit. That was beautiful, brother <laughs> and sister. Hmm. Um, man, what, what a great takeaway. So everybody out there, you know, as you're listening to this, right, think about, I, I love that, right? The, you know, that first place is a place of power, uh, energy. It's like the source, right? When you're in convergence, you guys are there now which is also allowing you to, you know, take what you've been doing and working with people one-on-one, -on -one, you're actually taking what you've been doing for a very, very long time, but actually now just offering it in a different way that actually uh, serves, equips, and launches actually more people to have a bigger influence and impact uh, in the kingdom and through the lives, through business. And I think that's exciting. The, that second one is, Maybe, you know what, so like I was telling you guys before we started, right, I interviewed 10 CEOs before we, right. before I started my coaching practice and half were, you know, faith-based and half weren't because I wanted to get a feel, uh, something that was a universal, ver almost verbatim quote uh, from this group was, you know what, uh, I want to live life more fully alive. I just know I'm not doing it right now and I, and I don't know how. So if you're not in convergence, you might not know exactly what it looks like, but I would be willing to guess you just listened to this and said, well, I know I'm not there. And you know what? The great thing is there's people that have been able to, like you talk, you guys both talked about, to identify those gaps, close those gaps, bring things together. And then, you know what? Sometimes you do have to make that hard decision to pivot. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I've been there, right? I know Steve has done that recently. You guys did that coming out of ministry into what you're doing now. Uh, that can be kind of a scary time. That is a, a place for me that's always been a place of really having to lean on my relationship with the Lord and trust because mm. I did not know uh, coming out of my accident and starting what I'm doing now. Um, I had no idea how, how I was going to even succeed or even support my family. Well, your entire I, life switched, right? I mean, you had to even change your routines and everything. Oh, everything. Every, everything yeah. was different. I mean, I couldn't even do what I used to do. Uh, I couldn't, uh, yeah, everything was different. Um, we started a business with, uh, you know, my, I basically been in the hospital for two years. My network was dormant. Our financial resources have been completely drained. So, you know, what it took was, and it, you know, this isn't right for everybody, but for me, it was a complete pivot. And, uh, something I've learned just working also with so many business owners it's exactly these same three categories, right? Sometimes I have to actually look at what I'm doing now and actually realize this is what I'm meant to do. I have to reconnect to that calling, that purpose, that passion that you talked about, Catherine. The second one is actually I'm meant to be here, but it doesn't feel right. Maybe this is the place I'm supposed to be. I just have to make a little bit of a shift to look at it differently. And this is something that's fueling my passions and maybe I actually because I think everything is all woven together. There's no work and home and stuff like that. I think that's a yep. whole myth, right? Absolutely. Maybe there's some things I need to be doing to be more fulfilling in addition to 
right? So I have to really learn what to say yes and no to. That's really about the self-awareness of my values, my identity, my passions, my gifting, right? Because we have to learn how to say, because I, I like to say yes to everything. Uh, that's been a problem. I was once on six boards at one time and two of those were nonprofits I started. I mean, I was a, I was a train wreck. And, yeah. But that third option though, and sometimes it's right, it's to just, you know what, uh, take a left turn or a right turn or a U-turn. I don't know. But anyway, this is, my gosh, this has been such an amazing conversation. So once again, how do people connect with you and what's going on again? Catherine? So you can connect with us through Habo Village, H-A-B-O village.com. And we are launching a membership site. Um, you can check out a free workshop that Michael is doing that kind of gives you a flavor of kind of what we're trying to achieve. And then um, we're looking for folks who want to journey with us through understanding what a passion and provision company looks like. We're looking for our first 150. We are. We're, this is, the doors are open until we get 150 folks in this first group that are founders. And then we're closing the door and we're looking forward to going, okay, how do we, how do we seek after this whole thing with those 150 folks to help them? And I'm anticipating a lot of them are going to be in that middle group, John. Um, they don't need to pivot. They just need to make some adjustments and refine and maybe change the compass heading a little bit to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, to gain some hope. And, and again, I, I think I said this at the beginning, it's not, we're not presenting it from a faith-based perspective. Um, we, we really want um, to just allow anyone who owns a business to be a part of this. And so um, it's not, you're not going to hear a bunch of scripture. They're not going to hear, but the foundations and the principles for us are all around um, what does it look like to live an abundant life? So we believe that ultimately that's going to come from Jesus, but it's going to take folks sometimes a while to get there. So we're not requiring that people have a relationship with Jesus to be in this conversation with us because that's, you know. We're just going to teach them what Jesus taught us. Yeah, pretty much. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, guys, just as we, as we wrap up, just any, I mean, you guys are just so real, so authentic. Uh, and just so grounded in truth and just what I can just tell just what you do, how you say you it. I can tell you this, uh, it's just so refreshing and I'm sure everybody listening feels the same way to hear people that are, you know, just, uh, you know, people you'd love to just go sit around my fire pit out here in my backyard and just spend an evening in having meaningful conversations with. So, um, just any final thoughts as we wrap up you two? We'll be out Friday to sit around the fire. <laughs> okay. You can drive your 1988 F-150. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to take my 2005 F-250, and we're going to race for pink slips, brother. It may be longer than Friday if I'm going to drive that out there. I, I might break down a couple of years. <laughs> uh, we just, you know, we just really appreciate having the conversation. And um, I don't know about Michael, John, but it, it encourages me in what we're doing to even have feedback from someone like you saying this sounds like a cool thing because we're very excited about it. And, um, and yet it, uh, it's, it's kind of like being an artist and unveiling your masterpiece and going good grief. I hope nobody throws tomatoes at it. It's just that real. Mm. And so um, this is a big deal for us to, to launch the village, to live into this dream that we've been having for eight years um, and kind of building on and growing into. So we're very yeah, we're very excited and we very much appreciate just the conversation with you because it reminds us why we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I hey, want to I, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, bud. 
Well, I just wanted to say thank you. And I, and I, if there's one last thing I want to continue to say is if you're a leader out there um, and you're exhausted and tired, you're staring at the ceiling at night because things are really hard. There's hope. Yeah. And there's, there are folks out there like John, like us and others. We're not the only ones. Uh, find good counsel. Find somebody who knows how to communicate and teach these things and to help you. And then um, be vulnerable and honest because the light at the end of the tunnel most of the time is not another train. It's a way out and you can get there. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, one final thought is, you know, succeeding, especially as an organization, is a team sport. Amen. And, are, and if you're out there and you're hearing this, you're like, wow, I want to jump into this village and you're part of a team, bring some of those key people with you so you guys are hearing the same things, learning the same things, identifying these gaps, having these, you know, some of the tools to have the conversations on closing the gap as a group, not just you bringing in the next idea to a team meeting that you're going to attend in the future. Um, I've actually largely uh, uh, stopped doing one-on-one coaching except for a few situations. Oh, wow. Unless I can actually work with the team. Yeah. Because I've found that unless they're doing it together and actually all making improvements, uh, it's it, it makes change really slow and difficult and, yep. and, uh, and not as permanent as I'd like to see. I agree. Yeah, definitely. John, you're awesome. Right. Thank you so much for your time today, brother. You guys are awesome. Steve, you're awesome. <laughs> you're awesome, Steve. <laughs> Steve's an amazing leader. You know, he's, he's, uh, stay, tends to stay in the background when we have these conversations, but Steve, you are one of the most, the, the deepest thinkers and have some of the most profound things that have been sewed into my life have come from this man sitting right here. I truly love you and appreciate you, my friend. You are, you are an absolute blessing to everybody who knows you. Absolutely. Man, we agree. Great cheerleader. Thanks,